Are you a clinician who's interested in adding a gym to your clinic? We have great online courses over at clinicgymhybrid.com. We have some courses on the most important thing, which is hiring a trainer, how to do that, how to hire them well, and who not to hire. We also have some great courses all about regressions and coaching and a bunch of other great stuff. Some of them are led by me. Some of them are led by our amazing co-instructors like Cody Demack and Dan Swinsko, Kurt Kippenberger, and others. But I'd love to have you check it out. So head over to clinicgymhybrid.com and check out our online courses because they cover the most important subjects within that clinic gym model. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. This is Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm excited for you to be on this journey. Look, when I started my Clinic Gym Hybrid back in 2013, I didn't have a place to go for resources. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we're here. I hope you dig this interview. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host today, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm so excited you're here. I appreciate you listening and appreciate you tuning in. Today, we're going to continue the conversation. It's just me, but we're going to continue the conversation all about patient slash client experience. You know, the experience that people have at your location is the big differentiator. They can go to a big box gym, a lifetime, a 24-hour fitness, a crunch fitness, uh, Equinox, and get uh, an experience through equipment, through showers, through locker rooms, through towel service to through uh, hot tubs and saunas. But when they come to your clinic gym, what are they going to get as their experience? Well, as I always say, the thing we sell in the clinic gym hybrid model more than anything else is expertise. It's expertise, it's expertise, it's expertise. Expertise is better than an unlimited amount of equipment. Expertise is more important than an unlimited amount of space. Expertise is more important than hot tubs and saunas and all that. And yet so many people forget about what we sell, which is expertise. Now, why do I say expertise? Does anybody at a big box gym know how to scale a workout based on the fact that somebody is six weeks out from uh, a disc herniation with a positive SLR, right? Let's say that their SLR was positive at 30 degrees and that recreated their back pain. Well, what does that tell us? That hip flexion of 30 degrees with a straight leg recreates symptomatology. Right now, six weeks later, they might be out of pain. But how do we program to respect that fact that they had that positive SLR? Linking things like, um, uh, let's see. So linking things like the exercise you choose is so important there, and that demonstrates the expertise. So in this sense, I would say, don't do any bilateral stance uh, uh, deadlifting because that's going to require a lot of hip flexion, and we're still in the danger zone. We're six weeks out. But could you do a single leg RDL? Could you do um, uh, split squats, lunges, all sorts of things that are still lower body focused without pissing off that uh, those tender tissues? Now, you could say, oh, it's six weeks. They're totally fine. I want to extend it out, and I want to tell the client, hey, because of these, these findings back then, we're going to change the workout we do for the next uh, three months. And then we'll go back to those other workouts. But when you show that and you connect the clinical exam back to the exercise prescription, that's when I think you have expertise. A second area of expertise is, is this. This is kind of hard to explain, but let me just see if I can do it. If you are a coach that requires certain equipment, you're not an expert. 
Like if the only way you can program the right exercise for somebody is by buying a new piece of equipment, say like, you know, a trap bar. And you're like, oh, you have to have a trap bar. You have to have a, a, a U-bar or you have to have um, any, if, if you require certain equipment, you can't modify what you already have. You're not that freaking good. You just aren't. A really good coach can come up with a great workout in spite of a lack of equipment. Hell, a really good coach, like I'm sure Mike Boyle could put you through a great strength training workout with nothing but an open parking lot and folding chairs, right? And yet he could come up with a a, a heck of a workout that would last an hour, hour and a half and be effective. And so when I see certain coaches are like, oh, I want to do, I got to buy this equipment because I want to do X, Y, Z. And that's the only way you can do it. I think, man, I don't know. I think you're not an expert. You should really rethink this. That's why fundamental tools like kettlebells, dumbbells, bands, pull-up bars are so great because with minimal equipment, you can have maximum effect. I think you could build a hell of a gym for about 500 bucks. Get a couple yoga blocks, get a couple floor sliders, maybe a, a small selection of weights and, and obviously a collection of bands. But holy smokes, could you put together a heck of a workout? If you had $5,000, I couldn't imagine you need any more than that. And yet I see people who are like, oh, I spent 12 grand on this rack or on these squat racks and I got bumper plates and barbells and all that. That's all great for advanced lifters. But who's really coming into your gym, especially right after uh, an injury? Think about who that is. People that are that know the difference between bumper plates and you know high spin Olympic bars and deadlifting bars typically aren't the people that will be coming into your clinic gym because uh, they probably are training aggressively somewhere else. But the people who are coming in are the ones who need a ton of guidance. And when you need guidance, you want an expert. So they will want an expert. So you can make that experience so much better. But let's talk about some other fun, more fun things uh, along with client experience or patient experience. And this is more, this is going to be more about the gym. I think that these these are things I, I've, all of these are lessons I've learned. I'll try and include a little story of each one. Um uh, as to why they're so important, but you know, people want to be part of your movement. I mean, they want to be part of your business. They want to be part of the thing you're building and they want to be able to tell the story, right? If you look at a company like Disney for all its uh, recent, they can't seem to put out a movie that makes back its own investment. And they certainly have stumbled, but early on, man, in the, in the days of big Disney growth, one thing they always had going for them was the story, right? People wanted to be involved, want to be part of the story. And I think the same thing is going on with your clinic gym. So here are some suggestions. A uh, little story time. All right, story time with Josh. So back in the day when we were opening our gym, you know, we had decided we were going to put down stall mats, like three quarter inch stall mats. They're four feet by six feet. Each one of them weighed about 100 pounds. And we got them sent to our uh, location. Get a call from the contractor and he said, hey, I'm not going to put these things down. They smell like a Chinese rubber factory and it's it's making my eyes water. And we're like, oh, damn. So, and by the way, if I were redoing this today, I would use rolled rubber flooring. I wouldn't use the stall mats, but we did the stall mats. So we go over there and sure enough, man, there are pallets of these things and they smell like hell. I mean, it is just the most disgusting, cheap Chinese grease smell you've ever smelled. So we realized we're going to have to wash these and we've got 3,200 square feet of mats to wash. Obviously a problem. So my, my business partner at the time said, let's, let's invite our friends, like our, our, our members and stuff. Right. And uh, so we had a small workout going in another facility to develop our early 
um, list of clients. So sure enough, there was about 12 of them. We invited them and said, hey, we need help scrubbing these mats. Would you guys show up? The next day, they invite their husbands, wives, or, or was that like, we put out that message on maybe Wednesday or Thursday. And on Saturday, we met. They brought husbands. We had like 20 people willing to grab mats, load them up in a truck. We drove over to another friend's house at a huge driveway you could lay them out on. We scrubbed them down with like soap and simple green, then uh, rinsed them off, flipped them over. And there's like a lot of these mats. I mean, there's a ton of these mats, but luckily with 22 people, it wasn't too bad. We spent about a couple hours doing it and then uh, let them dry. And then we loaded them back the next week to our contractor, right? Well, when our gym opened a few months later, those members that had helped out early on were like, ha ha, these are the mats that we washed, huh? And you could see they had a bit of ownership in it. They loved the fact that they had been part of the building process and they were happy to do it. They didn't didn't expect money. They certainly didn't expect a discount on their membership, nothing. They just want to be part of this exciting time in building the, <clears throat> the gym. So when you have a, um, expansion and stuff, when you might need some help, don't ever forget about using your clients. Maybe they want to help you repaint the wall. Maybe they're willing to help you uh, add a door somewhere. Maybe they're help, they're willing to, you know, if you got a contractor uh, as, a, as a client, maybe he's willing to help you put in cabinets or something to make it a better experience for everybody. But don't ever forget including them because so many people want to be part of, uh, part of the expansion. And that goes into some other things. One of the things I always recommend people is when you start out, buy minimal equipment. It goes back to something earlier in this conversation about if you're an expert, you don't need any equipment, right? And as you move through, maybe you have uh, you buy some minimal equipment, but you certainly don't need to outfit your gym with everything out of a you know perform better catalog or the Rogue website. You just don't need it, and you can expand. So, for example, if if I were starting a gym today, I wouldn't buy anything bigger than a 50, uh, 53 pound kettlebell, right? And when it got to the point that I had someone in the gym that needed a heavier kettlebell, I'd make a big deal about it. And I'd buy, say, a 68 or a 70 and say, you know, I'd get the, the kettlebell. And when the member shows up that was the, let's say it's some guy, you know, named Scott, who's the, who's the guy that we bought the kettlebell for because he could easily do uh, handle the 50-pound kettlebell. I would say, Scott, this is the new, new kettlebell we bought. And the reason for it is you're too strong, man. You're just so strong that we had to upgrade our, our equipment. Tell you what, we're going to take it out of the box here. And before we get going today, I was hoping you would sign the kettlebell, right? And have Scott sign the kettlebell somewhere so that it becomes Scott's kettlebell. But now Scott is totally invested in you. He realizes, oh man, they bought this basically so I could work out better. He'll want to show his friends. He'll want to talk to people. He'll want to show a bunch of stuff. Why? Because he wants, like, this is part of the expansion is Scott was the reason we bought a bigger kettlebell or Stacy was the reason we bought a sled or whatever. People love doing that stuff, but there's no expectation that you already have that equipment when you start out. Your clients will be very forgiving and they love to see you expand like that. So make sure you include them in that, um, in that expansion. All right, let's talk more about client experience. You know, I think that so many things get, get, uh, overlooked as part of the experience. I went to a gym one time and they had no cubbies. And you think, oh, nobody ever talks about cubbies, but you get your dumbbells, your barbells, your whatever. This place had no cubbies. And so what everybody did was just pile their phone, keys, sweatshirts, and everything on the front desk 
during the workout. It looked like hell. The front desk person's whole workplace got taken over. And then when you go back, people were misplacing sweatshirts and keys were getting mixed up and everything was stupid. And I was like, we can solve this problem at Ikea for like $200. What are we doing here? Right? So don't forget about that first five minutes when somebody walks in your clinic, how great can you make the experience? Right? What would they want? Would they want a place to hang their coat if you're in an area where, where you get winter snow and whatnot? Right? Uh, is there a place you need to put umbrellas if you're a, 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 if your gym is in a place that rains a lot and people have umbrellas like Florida or Georgia? How about if they come in in boots and uh, like snow boots and they need to change into athletic shoes, where can they sit to do that? It sucks to sit on the floor. So where can they sit to do that? Can you set up a bench or something? Um, what else? When they come in, almost everybody wants a cubby. And when they have that cubby, think about what they would want there. For probably about $100, you could have a, so we would have a Ikea cubby. It's called a Kalex. It's K-A-L-L-A-X. It's offered in a bunch of variations, but we had one that was like four, four cubbies by four cubbies. So 16 total cubbies. And I went on to Amazon and I bought a um, USB charger outlet that had 12 outlets. So we plugged that in, and so we routed a charging cord for an iPhone into all into twelve of the sixteen. We just didn't do the bottom row, but we did twelve of the sixteen cubbies. We'd put a um, charging cord, and we held it in place with like a little zip tie, so that it was always in there. And people absolutely love that, so they could put their phone in the cubby and charge it while they're working out. They appreciate it. It's a small thing, but it goes into how much do you care about your clients, right? So. I think that's something that I highly recommend is having those little chargers in the cubbies or a station to charge their phones. It also encourages them to leave their phones down there, right? What else makes a huge difference to people? I'll tell you another one. Um, I went to, with my buddy, Dan Leonard, we went to a mastermind one time and the company hosting it had this big area. We go into the bathroom and there's a basket there and it's all the things that you might forget at home that you might need in the middle of the day. Now, this is not for a gym. This is just for a business, but they had like spray deodorant and mouthwash and uh, what else they have. They had in the women's side, they had things like tampons and a uh, uh, lotion and things, just things that you're like, I wish I had this, but I left it at home, right? They just had a basket between the two sinks and the bathroom that had all these products. And it just had a little note that said, courtesy of uh, the newsletter pro. That's where we were doing this mastermind. And he and I just love that idea. And I recently went to his, you know, we hosted a clinic gym live course over at his clinic and I walk into the bathroom and guess what? There's a basket on the counter with spray deodorant, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, anti-static, uh, spray and a stain remover stick and lotion and mouthwash and stuff that would just be great to have. And having that in the bathroom is one of those things people won't use it that often, but when they need it, holy smokes, it's helpful. So since we stupidly had showers in our gym, which I don't recommend, don't put in the stupid showers, they're, they're a waste of money. Um, you know, once in a while people would use them. And so when women used them, one thing they really wanted was a hairdryer. So we ended up buying a hairdryer and just keeping it in the gym so that all the women knew, yeah, if I want to get ready in the morning, I can just use this dryer um, and not have to bring my own from, from home. A lot of women appreciated that. 
Again, it was like a $25 investment, not a big deal. They knew we had it. We told them they were very happy about it, right? The other thing outside the shower, like, what do you want? You want hooks to hang stuff and a table to put stuff you don't want to get wet. Early on, we didn't have that. And then one of our members said, hey, could you put a table that, you know, over by the, uh, over by the uh, showers? And I was like, oh, no, actually wouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, we can do that. And so we did that. But all these things go back to that client experience, right? And I encourage you, when you step into your facility, just pause and think, if I were in here for the first time, what would I want? So a common one, I, I just went to an attorney's office uh, two days ago doing some marketing or whatever. And I walk in to their office and I was like, this is a horrible experience. You feel like you're walking into the back of the office. Um, there's nobody there to greet you. There's no directions. So I actually walked in, thought I was in the back of the office, let the door, sh- I walked out and let the door shut. I walked around in the hallway to where I thought the entrance should have been and it wasn't there. And I realized that door I'd gone in was the only entrance into this suite. So I went back and I walk in again. They're like, oh, we heard you leave. And I was like, yeah. And I was thinking in my mind, because this looks like the back uh, the back hallway. This isn't the front entrance. And they had just a horrible client experience because there was no direction, no signage, no anything, no anything to tell me that I was in the right place, right? They just assumed everybody would figure that out. And I see this happen a lot of times with gyms and clinics. It's like you're showing up to work for the thousandth time. Of course, you know where the lights are and of course, you know where the drinking fountain is. And of course, you know where the cubbies are. But your client doesn't, especially not their first week. So I think one thing that I picked up from a friend of mine who has a gym that's also really important is when somebody joins your gym, it's important to provide a walkthrough. Just quickly walk them through the entire gym, telling where everything is. Hey, when you come in, here's where our cubbies are. Just dump your stuff in here. There's phone charges in there if you ever need it. Over here, you'll see we have our foam rollers. So make sure everybody will start off with a foam roller, grab that. It, you know, If you show up a few minutes early, just get some foam rolling done before the coach starts the class. Over here, we have the barbells. So if you ever need to grab a barbell, you'll notice they're stored vertically here in this rack. You can grab one. We would show them the difference between the men's bar, women's bar, and a training or the aluminum training bar, right? Over here are, are the kettlebells. You know, you can see the, the weights by X, Y, and Z. Right, you would show them how to choose the correct weight. All right, let's go over here, and here's the dumbbells. They can do A, B, and C. And then right here is where we meet up for warmups. And if the coach asks you to grab a mini band, they're over here. And then finally, here are jump ropes and uh, super bands. Right, just walking people through that flow. You know, here's where stuff is, and then offering to do it again if they need it. Say, hey, we can walk through again next week after you've had a couple workouts in case you have any questions. People appreciate that so much. I can't even tell you that just understanding what a kettlebell is and not calling it a cowbell, understanding where barbells are and why are some shorter than others or some thicker than others. I used one last week that felt different. Explaining that there's a different, there's three different barbells is a huge deal to people. Show them how to move the racks up and down the, sorry, move the J hooks up and down on your rack. Show them how to attach a pull up bar or a band to a pull-up bar, right? And hey, we drag the boxes over to make sure we can get up there. Show them those things and they will be so appreciative. So appreciative. Last thing I think people overlook is making sure you have periodic events that get people to be excited. 
right? Why did I join this group of people? What, what anchors me to this group of people? Events are one of the things that do that. And if you want to go from one year to two year to five years of clients staying on without leaving, you want to think about a year at a time. What do I involve those clients in? What are the client experiences that I have going on in my gym? So let me share a couple with you. Story time again. Uh, we had rowers in our gym, right? We had, I think, four of them, four or six. And, uh, you know, it was great. And then one day I got a, an email from concept two and they were like, Hey, you know, congratulations. I think this is like the last week of December. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Um, I got an email from them saying, Hey, congratulations to all the hundred K members. And I was like, what's a hundred K member. And so it turns out that concept two, the company that makes most of the rowers in the U S um, they have a challenge every year to row 100,000 meters between Black Friday and Christmas Eve. So the day after Thanksgiving to the day before Christmas, Black Friday to Christmas Eve. Now, most years, that equals out to 30 days. It's roughly 30 days, right? And so what Concept2 did is say, if you complete $100,000, we'll donate, I can't remember how much money, $10 to a charity of your choice if you complete it. And I remember reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's awesome we should do something with it. So luckily, a stroke of genius, I set a, a reminder in my phone for six months later. So this would be six months before Christmas and it said, investigate 100K rowing challenge, right? So uh, I thought about it more and I was like, oh, I wonder if any of our clients would be interested in it, right? So somewhere around September, I said, hey, would anybody be interested in doing a 100K rowing challenge? Immediately, people were like, oh my God, no, that'd be too much. It's too far. But a few people were like, yeah, I would do it. They said, how many days? I was like, 30. Like, that, that means we only have to do like 3,300 yards a day or you know, a little bit more than that. I said, yeah, that's right. If, if you did it every day. Now think about what life is like between Black Friday and Christmas Eve. It's probably the busiest time of the year with you know, kid choir concerts and musical performances and friends in town and, you know, uh, getting invited to dinner parties and client drop-off or gift drop-offs and, you know, picking up the kids early from school or late and, you know, going here, going there, all that stuff kind of detracts from your timeline then. But at the same time, you have this 100K rowing challenge. So funny enough, we decided to move forward with it. And we had a so the deal that we came up with was you register for it. The gym will be open seven days a week at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. to make sure that everybody has access to rowing. Otherwise, we didn't change the gym schedule at all. Uh, we didn't change the gym schedule at all. It was just like, hey, we'll be open 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. in addition to all the other classes. Now, sometimes at 6 p.m. was like during the week, it was we're already open, right? 6 a.m. during the week, we're already open. But on Saturdays, we typically didn't open till later. So this time you would have that 6 a.m. class and we were never open at 6 p.m. on Saturdays or Sundays. So we added that in. On the weekend, since it was... So during the week, people could row instead of do the workout uh, that we had going on then. And we made it so that the rowers weren't included in the regular programming, Right. So people could hop on a rower and bust out whatever their three or 5,000 meters. Typically, people did about 5,000 meters at a time. Still took 20 sessions. But during that time of the year, it was just a fantastic way to do it. 
some people got behind and they would come like on a Saturday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And it was kind of cool. And one thing we ended up, we started doing was <laughs> when it was just the rowing challenge at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, we would uh, play holiday movies on our flat screens and blare them over the freaking sound system because, you know, six rowers or eight rowers going at a time are pretty damn loud. And that would allow you to hear them. But, you know, watching Home Alone as you bust out 5,000 meters or 10,000 meters was great. Coolest part of it was our, our front desk person said, you know what we should have is like a progress chart. So she made this huge long banner and every member got a little, <laughs> this funny little sailboat looking thing. And, you know, you could put it, did you, have you completed 10,000 meters? Have you completed 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, all the way up to 100,000? And, you know, early on, there wasn't much movement, but then about, a week or two in, you started seeing some boats really pulling away. And we had somebody that instead of 100,000 meters, ended up doing 250,000 meters in that 30-day period. They just showed up every day and rode. And they probably rode, uh, you know, 10 grand a day. The thing about that, so that'll get you close to 30,000 meters, right? They missed a couple of days, but I was so shocked. The people who actually did over 100,000, we had like six people the first year that did over 100,000. Like one did 150, and a few did 200, another the person did 250, uh, 250,000 meters. They were not the cardio queens. They were not the people you expect. They're not the people who are like, oh, I run six miles every day and 20 on the weekends. They were not those people. They were the soccer moms. They were the you know, uh, retired individuals. They're the people that you didn't think would really push it. And for some reason that just totally got their gears turning. So we continued to do that every year that, uh, every year before we sold the gym and abs people absolutely freaking loved it. They absolutely loved it to the point where some people come in at six and, you know, to get on a rower and all the rowers are taken. So we ended up having to rent rowers from another gym. We told them about the challenge we're doing and they had four more rowers, uh, and one year we rented four of their rowers for the entire month of December or for, you know, Black Friday. And even those were full. So people absolutely loved that rowing challenge. And I'd highly recommend that. The whole point of this is having those events that your gym is known for. So in our case, it was the 100,000 rowing challenge. And we had, um, uh, and it was kind of the holiday thing, right? And then we had some some other events. So the, the other event I'll leave you with, the last one is, I remember sitting there and people like, oh, we should have a party. We should invite everybody to the gym and have a party. And I was like, yeah, you know, that'd be kind of cool. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, hmm, you know, what do, what kind of party would be great to have at a gym? And one of the things that I kind of somehow realized is um, women love to get dressed up typically, especially when they've been working out a lot. They want to kind of show off like, hey, here's what I've been doing, right? Yet, there's very few places you get to kind of dress up, maybe at some friends' weddings and stuff. And I thought, I think I was probably watching that stupid movie, uh, 13 Going on 30 with my wife or something, where Jennifer Garner does the, whatever, prom at, at the end. But I thought, you know what would be cool is do a fitness-based prom. And so every year we started putting together a spring event called the Fitness Formal. Everybody would, you know, you'd get an invitation. We had a red carpet rolled out. We, uh, we had a bar set up in the, in the, um, gym and we encourage everybody, Hey, it's a formal get dressed up. 
So get your suit tailored, guys, or rent a tux, and then women, you know, come in a nice dress. And let me tell you, women showed up like they'd get their hair done, nails done, get all dressed up, and it was great. And for the month or two previous to that, holy Moses, were people consistent. Knowing that they're going to get dressed up for an event totally improved the consistency. And then it was kind of like a rewarding event when everybody came in, got to you know, show off how they, how well they looked in the, in these clothes, have a great night with all the people they like hanging out with as a gym owner. It was fantastic because all of a sudden I meet husbands and wives and spouses and partners who are not yet members. And so we may have offered out some special memberships if they wanted to join that night. And guess what? They wanted to join that night. So I think that's uh that's a big recommendation. A fitness formal does a great job of getting people excited, uh, excited to work out. They, they want to flaunt their stuff. Uh, it gives them a, something to focus on over the next few months. And then it becomes a big celebration. And again, what other facility, what other place is offering that to, <clears throat> to your members? Nobody. So putting on those events periodically, 100K rowing challenge and a fitness formal go so far during the year to get people excited about why they're a member of your gym. Now that's in the context of great service, great music, a clean facility, you know, welcoming coaches, really good programming. It's all those things, but that client experience cannot be overstated. I would look at how are you doing that microscopically when that person, so for example, when that person comes in, are you greeting them by name? That's the most important thing. And then macroscopically over a year, how are we making them feel involved? How are we making them feel special. What do we do to do that? I've seen gyms where every Friday night, uh, there was a gym locally that had big Friday and it was just, you'd come in and for three hours, everybody would work out and just go for a PR on something. You could PR on back, back squat one week. And then the next week you're PRing on a number of pull-ups and the next week, but whatever it was, people just get after it and they called it big Friday. And it was an absolutely fantastic, fantastic time and fantastic event. So but think about what are you doing in your in your facility to grow that experience and grow that kind of um culture like what you're known for what you're all about and uh i hope that within there you find the things that really inspire you maybe it's a you know freaking yearly secret santa party or maybe it's um you know in the spring you help with dog adoptions or something whatever it is what are you all about and what can your members get behind and include them Include them in the build out, include them when you're adding equipment, ask them to head over and help you. You know, if you buy some new racks and you need to assemble, ask your members to help you assemble or, Hey, we got to unbox a bunch of dumbbells. Can everybody show up at this time? We'll buy lunch for those people. People love being part of that. It's all part of that culture. And you end up just, man, it's the greatest part about owning a gym. I got to tell you, it's the greatest part. So with that, uh, I'll wrap this one up, but Hey, if you are interested in communicating with your patients and your clients in the gym, then please check out Trust Driven Care. Trust Driven Care is our communication CRM software that now dun, 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 integrates with Jane. We've been working on that for a while, but you can talk directly with Jane, get people set up, build those systems and processes to make your life easier. And uh, yeah, check it out at trustdrivencare.com. If you want a demo, let me know. And I would be the person to take you through on a demo. Love to do it. All right, with that, I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful holiday season, and we will talk later. Peace. 
Oh yeah, sorry. I'm supposed to do my little outro. As I always say, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients. 